Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Uh, open your Bibles if you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to continue right up to Christmas on Evolution because what greater love can we think about than the love of God toward his people in sending Jesus Christ, who is the absolute personification of love, no greater love at any man that he laid down his life for his friends. We are his friends. I'm so glad he laid down his life for us. And so in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to talk about something that's, um, I, I've had this kind of planned out for months now and pulled it together. This Revolution series we're going to do next week is going to be why the prophetic is love, is an expression of love. And then the following week will be uh, Christmas and I'll just talk a lot about Jesus and his great love for us on that Sunday. At the beginning of the year, we're going to start into a, a crossing over. Uh, I've got, we've got like four, three to four months planned on a series that's going to call us to the commission that God's brought us into, um, how love needs to be poured out and flow through us. So we're going to have a great link, lots of activations in the uh, winter up into the spring. I'm looking forward to it. We're also going to be starting a series, uh, or start a campaign, a financial campaign, uh, building a war chest for the things that God's called us to do in the physical properties that we have uh, here in Middleburg Heights and Akron. And I'll give more vision on that in the coming days ahead that we're going to call people to a higher level of giving to help us so that we can step into our future. Money is one of the big uh, aspects of moving ahead in faith. You believe God for all the things that are gonna come in, and we're believing him now for the next 10 years, the things we wanna do to establish our properties, establish infrastructure of our church, build with a a younger generation, not ignoring the old, thank God, not ignoring the older generation, but understanding that we wanna well-equip a generation that's emerging. And uh, Kevin McNeely reminded me, it was really good during worship, you know, when you look at our band, I think they're all under 40, if I'm right. I think so. They're all under 40. At least today they were. And uh, it is a, what, what did you say, Kevin, on that? It's a visual picture. They were a second generation that the fruit is lasting and it's good, but it was also to give vision to parents who don't see their children fulfilling the anointing of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. I don't know if you heard that or not. Online you probably didn't, but it's, it's a picture really of the next generation and, and them beginning to express themselves, being trained and tutored and mentored and all that stuff. Uh, but also for those of you who are struggling, maybe your kids aren't a part of the kingdom of God. Maybe they're not attending a local church. Uh, who knows where they might be, but th- let this be an inspiration to you that God is moving around younger people across this country. And we are on the outer edges of a, an amazing revival where millions of people are gonna come to the Lord Jesus Christ who would have thought in the, in the middle of the, the political agendas in our country right now that it's very possible that abortion may end in the way that we've seen it prior to this? I mean, the Supreme, it's in the Supreme Court. It will be decided on, I believe, in June uh, that may reverse or highly limit Roe v. Wade, which came about in 1973. 
And uh, I can't think of any other bright spot than that in the midst of pandemic and all the other things that have been going on. I think it's going to be a, a tipping point for the kingdom of God. And, you know, I, I just got to tell you, I think it's great when righteous people rule. And when righteous people don't rule, I don't get upset about it because I, I know we're a part of a greater kingdom and that God can move regardless of circumstances around us. I prefer righteous rulership, but actually in Scripture, there was very little righteous rulership all throughout the Old Testament. I don't know if you've read that book or not, but it's, it's full of amazing stories that show you that most of the exemplars or the key individuals that lay out examples for us in the Bible were under very draconian-type laws and uh, um, dictatorships of sorts all throughout history, suffered greatly, and it was almost like the increase of suffering brought greater renewal to the church. So it's just a cycle that's been going on for thousands of years. Now, I believe that we're, we're in a cycle. Uh, the Lord called, told me this about three years ago, and I've held on to it. Even as things would get darker in the economy, inflation, and all the, all the things that are going on that you know about, well, I've had to limit my news watching. I mean, I was, I was a newsaholic for decades. It was, just, it was the way I was raised. My father was a politician. We're always watching the news. We're interpreting, culturally talking about the times. It was part of our relationship. I probably watch or listen to or read about 15 to 20 minutes of news a day now. That's a huge cutback for me because I thought I cannot shape my life with the exterior concerns. I, I mean, I want to touch the poor and do all the things Jesus told us to do. But the flow of this stuff doesn't mean I don't vote, doesn't mean I don't lift my voice periodically. But I know what my mission is and I want to move with that. And a evolution is that missionary, is that mission. And so uh, I was meditating it this week because soul, the soul has been a, um, a, a complex thought for me my entire adult life. I've really been raised in the understanding of that we, are a, we have a spirit, soul, and body. And the soul contains the mind, will, and emotions. That's the traditional understanding of the soul. Uh, the body typically represents the five senses. You know, what we touch, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we, what I miss, smell, right? Smell. It, it, it rules part of our life. Uh, and this is a lesson I learned probably about 35, 40 years ago from some key uh, writers that just really shaped my thinking on it. But I, I do believe that before you're born again, your spirit is dead. When you're born again, your spirit is made alive. Your spirit is the eternal part of who you are. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. So up until the time that you receive Jesus Christ, you typically are not spirit-led. I'm not saying that the spirit doesn't intervene in your life and do amazing things, but the Holy Spirit is reserved generally for followers of Jesus. And he will move upon the multitude and move upon culture and shape things that we don't even know about. But when you receive him into your life, it says in Ephesians 1 that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. There is a, there is a, uh, a quickening of the real you, the eternal you inside that comes alive. And when that happens, you realize that the spirit, to be a true spirit-led person, the spirit will train your soul and your body. Did you know that? 
The Spirit of God is needed in training who you've been. You spent 20, 30, whatever years it was prior to Christ moving in emotions, moving in your intellect, moving in your will. I'm going to do it. I don't care what anyone says. That's the soul speaking. The Spirit says, not my will, your will be done. And so when you come into the kingdom of God, you feel the rattling of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And sometimes it makes immediate, uh, what an earthquake kind of effect on your life. Some people, it's a process over time. But let me tell you what I've been studying lately because it's important to this moment. I've thought of this for years. I've theorized about it. But I really do believe salvation is a journey. I believe in a moment where you, you get that aha epiphany like, well, I need to follow Jesus. Or are you feeling convicted as we use terminology from Scripture in our heart? We yield our lives to Jesus Christ. In that moment, you transition in a very real way. And the moving of the Holy Spirit is upon your life. But as I looked over lives, and particularly as I've dug a little deeper into the Catholic Church over the past two decades, since I first read a book in late 90s that really stirred me toward Catholicism, and I appreciate the Catholics in a different way, let me just tell you this, across the body of Christ, people, I, I gotta say this very carefully, people receive the move of the Spirit of God upon their lives into rebirth and salvation in many different ways. You know, I don't know that there has to be a certain prayer that you pray to receive Jesus. We do that. We practice that because it's, it's a couple hundred years old now. Billy Graham really took great advantage of that, you know, and had music playing in the background. What was the song they always played? Just as I am, Just as I am without one plea. Is that it? Yes. We need Billy back. Um, That brought people to a moment of recognizing the power of Christ in their life for transformation. But here's the problem. When we focus heavily upon that and ignore the eternal sanctification of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we miss a huge part of our life and think that we got fire insurance when we said that prayer and now we can continue to just live the way we want. No, you... You have, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ has reborn your spirit, and your spirit is going to dominate the true you. So your life is given to learning how to follow the spirit so that your spirit, emblazoned by the Holy Spirit, can take a hold of Steve Witt, not you, you take care of you, I'll take care of me. Take hold of me and say, you, you are not going to look at these things. You're going to walk in this way. You're going to avoid this scenario. You may even avoid a geography. And people go, oh, it's just legalism. No, it's sanctification. God is telling you through your life. He's instructing you in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. That means in your will, you're going to realize, well, this isn't really a spiritual thing. This is a financial thing, or this is a a geographic thing. I'm buying a house. Why would I talk to God about that? You are missing the key element of sozo, of salvation in your life, that the Holy Spirit is there. Excuse me. The Holy Spirit is there for every area of your life, and no longer is there secular sacred There's sacred in the secular. And so you start to move in a place where you realize my will is important to be submitted constantly to the purposes of God. My emotions, 
will not guide my life. A lot of people are totally led by emotions. I just kind of feel that this is the right thing, you know, to get married in three weeks. And I could say something about it, and they'll go, well, how, how do you know? God moves in exceptional ways. I can just tell you that 92% of the time that people get married prior to age 20, there's like a 92 to 93% guarantee of failure if you marriage married before the age 20. That's just statistics. If you, if you marry without full seasons in your life together, spring, summer, fall, winter, huge percentages of non-success in marriage. So we learn from how the Holy Spirit has made this culture and made these people that we call humans and what we do, but the Spirit has got to be made alive because the Spirit has got to be stronger than your soul. The Spirit needs to be the CEO of stevewitt.com. And so when he sees me being led by emotion or being led by my will or being led by my mind, and this is where we have a lot of problems in the church, we think it's more cognitive than it is spiritual. I know I memorized the entire book of Philippians or whatever it is. Those are great things and those can be life-changing things. But if you're doing it just for head knowledge, it could be a poor use of time. But when you read scripture and allow the scripture, Bible says it's living and active. We don't want a living constitution, but we want a living salvation. It moves within me. And you know, it is, the Lord loves to flip houses. You know what flipping a house is, right? He comes in, you invited him. He comes into your life. He loves to renovate. He loves to tear down and he loves to build. So he comes into your life, your spirit, when you're born again, and he steps into your soul, which I don't know because soul and heart, soul and spirit are used interchangeably sometimes in the Bible. And so there is some eternal aspect to the soul, your mind, will, and emotions, which makes me think in heaven, I'm going to have the same mind, will, and emotions just at a heavenly level. You're going to recognize me in heaven, I believe. Some theologians believe age 33 is the, is the moment of fullness, and then it's all downhill from there. Because Jesus died at age 33, and they believe that he couldn't have aged because there would be a corruption of the body, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you look at it all and you go, wow, 33, huh? What that means is we're all gonna look 33 in heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? You won't recognize me. I had hair when I was 33. I was a lot thinner too. So we're going to be, it could be the first thousand years, like, I know you. <laughs> you look 33, so do you. <laughs> you died when you were 90. I know, isn't this much better? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a great, a great thing, you know. So, uh, so that's the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. The, the, I've always compared these senses, the flesh, the body, like children. They, they're all over the place. I mean, you got... Taste sees. I mean, we're constantly looking. Google's looking beyond where we're looking and, and downloading information. You look at something now and Google thinks that you like that particular store so that you show up ads all over the place so that you can go there. I mean, Google's trying to serve you as best you can be. Uh, Google is an artificial Holy Spirit. Let me just say, Holy Spirit, when you were, sorry, I love Google, but anyway, it's, uh, it, it, there's, I love technology. But now we're becoming more dependent upon technology than we are the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to get you born again, that's born of above, 
but he also wants to reach into your life and move you toward perfection in Christ. Now, here's what it says in Scripture in Thessalonians. You didn't think I was going to get there, but here we are. It says this in verse 20 of 1 Thessalonians 5. I love 1 Thessalonians. There's so much cool stuff in there about the second coming of Christ and other things like that. But right now, listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, little known verse that packs a boatload of theology in it. It says this, Paul, moving toward the end of Thessalonians, he says this, now may the God of peace, these are not accidental titles. At various times, God is referred to as a God of peace. Jesus was a man of peace. Jesus was the prince of peace. We are called to be men and women of peace. Everywhere we go, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. A peace. There's peace in our steps. There's peace in our activity. There's peace in our will. You know, we're like, oh, hey, I got to make a decision. Got to make it. That is not Holy Spirit. When a big decision comes up, it's like, hmm, we need to think about this and we need to pray about this. We need to allow our Holy Spirit to touch our minds and give us understanding of whether this house is a good investment, whether this job is the right job. I, I talked to the guy this week who had a huge job opportunity, interviewed for it, it was in not another top. It was in a major company in the top realm of getting this seat. And I'd met with him several times, talked with him. We rejoiced together. This is going to be great. He didn't get it. You know, and, it, and he's, he's the kind of guy when he didn't get this role, he was like, well, must be the Lord's will. I'm going to relax in that. I'm going to continue on. Recently, the company was uh, taken over or, or re, uh, acquired by a, a, another company who came in and basically uh, shifted all the upper ranks of the company just above this guy's head. If he'd have taken that job, he'd be probably out of a job right now. And now he realizes there's open field above him. I talked to him at the Christmas banquet. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm excited about this. Isn't that something when you, when you so trust in the Lord for your job, for your daily sustenance, whatever, that you can say, okay, there's a bad situation coming up, but actually that bad situation might not be a bad situation. It's just a blip in the screen. It's a speed bump, or what they call in England a sleeping policeman, a speed bump in the road. <laughs> a speed bump in the road that causes you to slow down or get your entire underbelly all shook up in your car. So you go, you slow down, you move across it, realizing, okay, I can now accelerate again. Amen. Those are speed bumps. Your soul goes, what? What are we going to do? It's horrible. It's terrible. The spirit dwelling in your spirit begins to comfort your soul and say, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Because the soul has been there longer than the spirit. Amen. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, when you've got bad habits that you've been doing for 20, 25 years, and all of a sudden you, get, you become a believer in Jesus Christ, some of those habits don't change instantly in most people. It's territory that they're supposed to overcome. And so they can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit in their spirit, who they eternally are, to now say, okay, I'm in charge now. We're not just going to move by your will all the time. We're not going to just move by emotions. We're not going to be moved by the cognitive. We're going to be moved in the spirit. We're not going to deny our brain or deny the realities of this world, but we need the Holy Spirit to move in this life to be the success that God's called us to be, whatever success means. 
And the body, the physical body, I mean, it, see, you, it takes the Spirit of God in your spirit to say, don't look in that direction anymore. Don't drive down that street anymore. It revives and triggers old memories. So why not go down the other street and get to work a minute later than you normally get? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? You're picking up what I'm laying down. All right. First Thessalonians 5, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Oh, a new word, sanctify. It's usually not a pleasant word in religious circles because it brings back thoughts of some kind of uh, uh, legalism that you had younger when I said sanctification looks like this. Let me tell you what sanctification looks like. It doesn't look like necessarily what you wear, how you do your hair, where you go to school. Sanctification looks like Jesus. So you got to study Jesus, know Jesus, worship Jesus in order to get the true picture of who Jesus is. And the Bible says in Corinthians, we're transformed by him in his presence. Even this morning is a transformational moment for 40 minutes. As we come before the Lord, we worship him. When you do that, I don't know if you understand this or not. I forget it all the time. But when you do that, you are being transfigured. Your soul is shifting to align itself with your spirit, which is the most important part of who you are. Some people believe the soul weighs 21 grams. 21 grams. You say, how do you get that figure? Well, it was a study back in the 70s where a guy weighed people right before they died, and it was a 21-gram difference after they died. So they think, well, that soul weighs 21 grams, which is about a teaspoon and a half. So a teaspoon and a half of who I am is an eternal component that is directed by the Holy Spirit in order to impact my daily behavior. My eyes, like I think Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes. So your eyes now are looking at different things. It doesn't mean you don't see things that you shouldn't be looking at. You do see it, but something in your mind triggers in that moment, Holy Spirit, not in some kind of legalistic way, but it's like, no, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna be tempted by that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I mean, I've had talks with guys about these kinds of things. They go, well, you know, to have a look is not evil. It's like, uh, I don't know about that, but I can tell you that dwelling on it creates uh, micropaths in your brain. They're going to be harder to overcome in the future. So things like pornography, which, by the way, accounts for huge percentages of, of things we watch on TV now. It was pornography in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Apparently it isn't right now, but I don't want to get off on that because I feel there's, there's so many things, but you know when you're crossing a line and you know that because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And here's the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. Move over here. There's something more beautiful over here. There's something that's going to benefit you over here. And so the God of peace himself says he'll sanctify you completely. In other words, God is involved in the sanctification. So your soul and your body, the flesh of what you do, should be because of the grace of God and the born-again experience in your life. I know I'm going to get pushed back on this. I don't really care. I'm old enough now. I just don't have to care anymore. Look it up in Scripture. You'll see it all over Scripture. Even the pathway of Israel throughout the Old Testament is about them learning to trust God, to fashion them, to be ready to cross over into the promises of God. 
The salvation of Jesus Christ is complete in your life, but it continues to move. I've always used the phrase, I still stand by it. You were saved, you are saved, and you're gonna be saved. What? Yeah, you were saved because you committed your life to Jesus Christ. You are saved because you're being sanctified, processed, work on your own salvation, the Bible says. There's, there's a sense of partnership. It's all through the book of Joshua and even in the Pentateuch, you realize God's desire is to move people forward in righteousness before him. You are declared righteousness by the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ, but you also are growing in righteousness. It used to be a popular saying in the 70s, righteous, be righteous. I'm righteous, even among non-Christians. So he says, May the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, you get that? Your spirit, soul, and body. The spirit was born anew like a babe. Graham Cook and I had some arguments over this once. Uh, He believes that you're born in Christ as a mature man, uh, like an adult. I believe you're born as a babe, and that babe now takes on CEO positions. And so it takes a while for that babe to get authority that your soul and body will respond to. The authority's there, but you know, how would you like to work for someone 30 years younger than you? That's what it's like when you're born again, if you're 30 years old. 30 years, your soul has dominated, your flesh has dominated, now the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. He's affecting your soul, it's manifesting in your body. So it says, may the God of peace sanctify you completely, defines it now, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of the Lord. Now let's talk about sanctification a minute. And and let's refer to it as God's love. God's love was put upon you and in you. You now are, the ultimate thing you're learning in your spirit, soul, and body is how to operate in love. Have I learned to love yet? You know, and so your will is learning how to love. Your your soul, your will, your mind is learning how to love. What that means is change of language or change of thinking. You say, well, I can't help what comes into my mind. You actually can't. You know, you you can, if, if you view good, good will come upon you. If you view evil, evil will come upon you. It's just what happens with the eye gate and the, and the ear gate and how you process things. So let me just read. I just taught, I was teaching, uh, I was with Jay this week. We were talking about preaching. And so I'm going to break a few of the rules, Jay, if you're in here. I'm going to break a few of the rules by reading off here. Um, this is what, I, this is not a perfect illustration, but your soul, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, is kind of like a, a garment that the Holy Spirit puts on. The Holy Spirit is the life. Without the Holy Spirit, you have a dead spirit. And all you have is your your mind, will, and emotions and your physical senses, that's all you have. But when there's a heart exchange, which is referred to in the Old and New Testament, when your heart is reborn in the love of God with the image of Christ on it, you now have the most powerful force in the universe to impact your mind, will, and emotions and your physical body. You are bringing heaven to earth through being born again. Now, the Jews used heart and soul many times, as I said, interchangeably, it's a, and they use the heart 
as the, as the core of love in the physical body. Now, I know a lot about this only because I had heart surgery two years ago this week. And it was not the most pleasant time of my life. It cracked open my chest, got a nine-inch scar on my chest, you know, and it's like I look tough now because of it because it's just great having scars. Guys like scars, you know. But the process was grueling, you know. And what I had known for many years but didn't pay much attention to is I had a birth defect in my heart. Do you know everyone in this world has a birth defect in their heart? Now, I'm moving back and forth in this metaphor right now. It's physical, but it's also spiritual. So my heart had been corrupted over 63 years at that time. And so I had an aneurysm, I had a problem valve, and it became an issue, which they told me in my 20s. They said, when you get in your 60s, you're probably going to have an issue with your heart. And I said, no, no, not in Jesus' name. I'm not having that. I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. Well, anyway, they were right. And so uh, <laughs> I got my 60s, had this heart situation, had to go into the hospital to get it corrected. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, surgery and therapy got my heart right. And there were so many lies connected with it. You know, I was in the, when they found out I had heart problems, I was at uh, Fairview Park Hospital, part of the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, the reason that was significant is I was born there. So as soon as I went in there and checked in, the devil spoke to me and said, you were born here and you're going to die here. And so it was a major lie that I had to, you know, your mind immediately attaches to those lies. You know, and your mind, and now your will, it starts shaping your decisions and your mind, will, and emotions, everything gets all wrapped up in it. And your spirit has to teach you. I tell you, moments of pain, I know pain's a pain, but moments of pain can actually be moments of massive growth in your life. And throughout history, actually, the saints of the Catholic Church align themselves with suffering, particularly physical suffering. We do not do that nowadays. I think there's a part of that we... We've ignored just because it's like, la, 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 I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. But the truth is pain happens in life, doesn't it? And pain can be a gain. If your spirit controls your emotions, your mind, your mind, will, and emotions, you can bring them into order and say, look, here's what man's saying. Here's what business is saying. Here's what hospitals and doctors are saying. But we're going to believe for something bigger. Because we have the invasion of heaven in our heart. Jesus Christ is in us. So it becomes a moment of training. So it says uh, that in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says that our spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a few facts. You were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's new ownership in your life. I don't know if you ever bought a house to flip a house or something like that. I have. And... Uh, um, you know, you, uh, you're in control. Once you buy it, you, you can paint, you can tear down walls, hopefully the right ones. You can tear down walls. You can build whole new structures. It's a lot of sweat equity. This is my house. And so there's new ownership. When Jesus came into your life, he's like, woohoo! this is going to be a major flip here. Let's see, where are we going to start? Holy Spirit says, Master, I think their, uh, their mind needs some work. 
And so the Bible says, uh, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed to renewing of your mind. The Bible infers that Scripture, the Word of God, actually shapes your mind. Encounters with God and the knowledge of God can shape the way you think. So that you, you I, people that say, I can't change. I mean, I've been this way for a long time. You can, but there'll be some work attached to it. You're flipping the house. You're, you're declaring this as the temple of the Lord. You say it's already a temple of the Lord according to Scripture. I know that. But it's a temple that has been, is, and will be. We're in a process of lifelong salvation. I'm not saying that praying a little prayer is a bad thing. But I'm telling you that you're going to continually be working on you for the rest of your life. It's like those who crossed over, into, crossed over the Jordan into the land of promise it was given to them by God. How many of you like a gift by God? This is a gift of God that needs your involvement. They had to dispossess, uh, I, think it's, I think the number is 31 cities. 31 tribal groups they had to dispossess in order to claim what God promised them was for free. Those 31 tribes all have names that relate to, to strongholds in our life. It's amazing. So when you get across the river, first thing you face is Jericho. We're going to talk about this in January. Jericho is a major, but it's, it's God showing you. This is the Holy Spirit training. Look, you've learned some good things here on planet Earth, but let me show you an upgrade. I'll show you how to win this battle. You're going to walk around the city once every day and then seven on the Sabbath. And on the seventh, at the end of the seventh time, you're to shout, blow the horns, yell, shofars, everything. And I will take care of it. Like what kind of temporal strategy is that? So do you understand the kingdom of God at times is very different than the kingdom of this world? And for you to learn that, you learn how to fight my battles. That's why we love that song. This is how I fight my battles. What's it doing? It's declaring by singing and rejoicing in the presence of God, we are actually fighting battles. They're not doing that out there. I promise you, no CEO is gathering with all their employees this weekend and saying, let's sing some songs and bring transformation in our lives. They just don't do that. They don't, they don't understand that. How could that be beneficial to business, you know? But in the kingdom of God, it's all centered around Christ, the dynamics of who Christ is and his mighty Holy Spirit to change our lives. He wants to and he will transform your life if you allow him to. So we're, we're owned by Jesus now. There's an immediate culture change and a slower transformation that comes on your life. I'm asking for some participation today. How many of you believe that your change is slower than what you really want? Raise your hand. All the wives are saying, oh, my husband, he's. <laughs> yeah, it's a slower transformation. But you are working toward an eternal glory. I believe transformation actually continues in heaven. Some of us don't think that way. I don't know that we're going to be perfect in heaven. That would be mean that we, we were omniscient, we were gods. I believe we're always going to be learning. But our capacity, what someone says we only use, what, seven, eight, nine, nine 9% of our brain, something like that. In heaven, there'll be full access. You might be amazed what's in your brain. You might get up there and say, why was I so dumb down there? 
<laughs> I might say that. <laughs> so, so our culture is changing. The heart is the power of the soul and senses to govern. In other words, this born-again heart is meant to govern your life. Learning about the Holy Spirit, learning about his ways. <laughs> Countdown clock just turned red, which means I'm over time. Let me just read through these real quick. The need for the born-again spirit is to possess and dispossess spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the parent or CEO. It's the cleanup crew of your body. It wants to move into every room in the house. When I buy a house, not only do I go in every room with a critical eye saying, yeah, boy, is, that, is, there, is there a leak here in the basement? Well, not that we've known of. Well, what's that one-inch crack in the foundation there? Oh, and we've never had a problem with that. And that's why you hire an inspector typically to go, who knows more than you do, to go and double-check it and give you a 50-page report on why you should not buy this house. And if you can still get over that 50-page report, well, you've, you've made pro progress, possibly. You've, you've made, you had to make choices about that. And so the Lord literally, the Holy Spirit begins to move through your life. This is not some big criticism. I've got to be so careful today. Nobody wants to know that, wants, nobody wants to hear that there's any effort in any way that we need to make in order to improve our lives. And it's been a heresy for about 50 to 60 years now that absolutely you can be saved, but there's more to it than a little prayer you prayed. It's about taking over who you are by the power of God and his Holy Spirit. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So let the greater rule over those things that are in the world. Let your spirit lead you, learn how to be led by the spirit. So it's a parent. It's a cleanup crew. Before Christ, your spirit was dead, leaving your soul in control. I already said that. The spirit commands the soul and body, responds. So you're training your soul and body to respond to what God wants you to do. So that'll take the rest of my life. That's right. It will. And so what else? All spiritual training strengthens spirit and trains the soul. Soul-led soul is emotional, intellectual, or will-led. Soul-led leads to the wrong places, the wrong people, and the wrong things. Spirit-led will lead you always in the presence of God. So you are learning to let your spirit, that eternal being inside of you, control everything else that's there. The heart is the governing seat and the engine of love. The heart is strengthened in love. Your soul and body needs to be completely controlled by love. So, because Christ is love, God is love. The soul, the love takes over, the soul, the spirit. You know, the word for soul in scripture, it's a Greek word, suke, and that's uh, where we get our word psychology. But... Uh, uh, a number of years ago, I coined a word just for my own use, uh, uh, sucography. Rather than geography, sucography. Sucography is the measurements of the soul. There are things and times in your life that will measure your soul. You feel your capacity. You feel your limits on emotion. You feel your limits on, on cognitive, uh, cognitive understanding or brain power. You feel your limits on uh, your will. You know, you feel shaky in making a decision. It's an indication that the Spirit's wanting to grow your soul so that you can govern in peace. And your soul is cubic. It's 3D. It's got width, height, and depth. So it can be grown. A friend of mine said about, 
25 years ago. It really impacted me. I use it ever since then. He was talking about how God was raking his soul. I thought, what? <laughs> I'd never heard that terminology. It's actually out of the medieval times. But the raking, raking of your soul is the revelation of new rocks and weeds that come up in your soul. You have to tend your garden. And so he said, by raking your soul, he said he was in a, it was in a difficult time where he understood the Holy Spirit was using it to purify his very soul if you respond right. Otherwise, you get, you, know, you get bitter or you get better. And so this psychography is you mapping your soul. I'm gonna write a book on this someday. I really feel I, I, there's something about being fully aware of where you are in Christ. I get all the features. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the son of God. All that, that's great. That's, that's the titles of who you are. But I've got to get victory over my life. I've got to walk in a way that is viewed as integrity and a view of somebody who's not just cognitive and serious all the time, but full of the joy of the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is something that comes out of a Spirit-led life. You have love, you have joy, and you have peace. Not because you said, I need more peace, I need more peace, I need more peace. It's not going to do it. It's reading the Word of God. It's being in the presence of God. It's having good fellowship aligning and having boundaries in your life that you live by, when you do that, the, the fruit of that spiritual life will be love, joy, and peace. And six other things, probably many more than that. So we want love, joy, and peace to emerge out of our souls. Let's stand up together if we could. That was my introduction. <laughs> sad, sad, Jay, sad. I broke all the rules the other day from the other day. So build your soul. Get a will that is rock solid. Your nose no and your gaze yay. <laughs> That's scripture actually. It's your emotions. We all have emotions, nothing wrong. We can't deny emotions. Emotions just need to be trained in the spirit of God. To know how to mourn with those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a spiritual training. That's why we do training here in the, in the prophetic. We do a lot of training here since our beginnings. And I'm going to talk about that specifically next week. You don't want to miss next week. I've, this, is, this is a message I've been <laughs> meditating on for a couple months now. I'm excited about it. I, I got fresh revelation on the prophetic. I love it. And it's why it's a key part of who we are as a church. I'll talk to, about that next week. But in a general sense, it's time to train our soul and align our soul with the spiritual understandings of who Jesus Christ is. And when you come up into something that's traumatic, that it's fast, it's something you didn't count on, you can come to a place in your life where you will respond immediately like this guy that didn't get the job offer that he thought he was going to get. It turns out to be the will and purpose of God. His response was beautiful. I, caught, I walked him through it for months and, and when it finally happened, it's like, oh, yeah, that would have been cool, you know. But hey, God's in control. It's not some little weird denial thing. It's a peace that comes upon your heart. You cannot conjure up peace. You might listen to a nice album and look at a good picture and think, I'm going to get peace. It'll help to a measure, temporally. But spiritually, you have peace. The grind, I tell you what, it, you move back into the garden. Garden life is where you want to be on this side of heaven. It's not perfect, but you're going to love it. It's a place of love, joy, and peace. Uh, Jake, come on over. Uh, we're going to finish up here and just do a little bit of ministry. I think that ministry might look like just, 
just asking for a clarification. I'm sorry I didn't get further into this, but a clarification of the alignment of our soul. Once your soul is aligned, your physical body will follow. What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you feel, what you touch, all of that will be under the power of the Holy Spirit invading your soul, and it will shift your daily actions. So, Lord, just, just close your eyes for a minute. Jay's going to lead us in a prayer here. I just pray, Lord, that Lord, the things that I may not have unpacked properly or clearly enough, I pray, Lord, that you will impact as you always do. And however this is applying in individuals' lives, Lord, that we will, we yield our very self. I surrender all to Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.